Welcome to the Asia Tech Podcast. Thank I'm you. I'm your, I'm your host for today, Gustavo Liu, <laughs> and I'm joined today by Gaurang Torvekar, who is the founder and CEO for Indoors, a decentralized social network for professionals. So, Gaurang, what gets you excited about um, blockchain right now? Yeah, I think the decentralization aspect of blockchain gets me really excited about it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, the things you can accomplish with blockchain yeah. uh, that you just cannot do with the uh, centralized technology, yeah. I think that's what gets me excited about it. And how uh, how long have you been involved with blockchain? Because blockchain has been like since yep. Bitcoin era, which is essentially in 2008, kind of evolved mm -hmm. into like the Ethereum period. Um, uh, what, how long have you been involved with blockchain and, and building um, the in, indoors? I think it's been almost uh, three years since I've been involved with the blockchain space. So I started along with Ethereum. So just before Ethereum came out, I started writing smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. Wow. At the same time, uh, I also uh, started helping out Sean and the guys at Digix with the Ethereum Singapore meetup. So that was back in 2015. Uh, you know, the meetup started with like uh, three or four people sitting in a bar, just having drinks. And now we have like almost 7,000, 8,000 people registered for the meetup. So was it one of those like kind of casual chats and it's like exactly. hey have you heard about bitcoin <laughs> and it was that how it how yeah. evolved actually the people who used to come to the meetup in the beginning were people who are building something on the blockchain right people who are building something on ethereum we were like really core developers and builders on the blockchain and okay. that's how it started and was it what was the vision behind that like what, what did you guys see on the blockchain um to sort of make that switch into building applications of behind that uh, yeah, so uh, actually, I'll tell you the story, right? So when, uh, actually, it was one of the first Ethereum meetups in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And when I, uh, from the Ethereum Foundation, was in Singapore, right? Yeah. So I went for his talk, and he was talking about how Ethereum and how blockchain can automate all these things like Airbnb and, you know, uh, Uber, and it can disrupt all these things. Yeah. So that grand vision got me attracted to blockchain, got me enticed with the blockchain technology. And then when I started writing smart contracts, I could see that, you know, with smart contracts, you can do a lot of stuff that you can't do uh, in the normal world. So I think that's what got me into it. Uh, I, I'm a technologist and uh, I got excited by the technology. And back then when you were writing smart contracts, mm -hmm. to um, be able to transfer that onto the, the, the decentralized network, how, yeah. how difficult was that as compared to uh, now? It was quite difficult at the time, you know. So... Uh, even before Ethereum came out, they had the Ethereum testnet, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that it took me one month to learn how to write a smart contract and deploy it. Because I had learned other languages in uh, two or three weeks. Uh, because, you know, once you know a programming language, just to change the syntax, it's okay. Yeah. But blockchain, it took me a while to deploy the contract. And that but it's also very new, right? That it was exactly. It was quite new. And that's what, there was very little documentation on how to actually deploy it, how to write a contract all these things. And I think the smart contract space has evolved a lot, right? So okay. si uh, since the time I wrote my first contract and right now, that contract has a lot of security vulnerabilities because uh, the language at that time, Solidity, has changed a lot. It has, we have people have found so many vulnerabilities, so many security loopholes, yeah. and it's completely different right now. So how did you, I mean, I'm trying to understand, like, in terms of mm -hmm. how did you evolve into, like, writing the actual blockchain? Because obviously you are a programmer, right? Mm -hmm. 
as opposed to like where I would come around would be to try to go and buy and sell Ethereum, <laughs> like try to to uh, mine Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you, was that a decision factor, or you were purely passionate about the Ethereum technology and how you're going to build smart contract on, on the back? See, as of a that? as a developer. Uh, the best way for me to understand something in new technology is to actually tinker with the technology, right? So if I want to understand Raspberry Pi and how it works, I buy a Pi, I try connecting it, I see how it works. Okay. Same way with blockchain. Uh, when I started reading about Ethereum, about Bitcoin, I could understand it conceptually, mm-hmm. but to understand it deeply, I actually went ahead and wrote some contracts. I'm like, let me write the contracts, uh, let me deploy it, and then understand how it works. And I think that helped me gain a deeper understanding of the entire mining mechanism, the entire propagation of, you know, contra- uh, blocks and all these things. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and how did that sort of evolved into your creation of indoors? Mm, that's actually a long story. <laughs> so what happened is uh, when I started writing contracts mm-hmm. uh, and I started at attending the meetups, yeah. I met my co-founder, David Moskowitz. Okay. And David had just sold his Bitcoin company called Coin Republic at the time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have anything to do. He was just sitting idle. <laughs> yeah, so he had just got an exit. And then I met him. We started discussing about ideas on blockchain. Uh, we started discussing what we could do in the blockchain space. And that's how we started Atorus, which was my previous blockchain company. Okay. At Atorus, we were doing smart contracts as a service. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and also at that time, uh, I was just doing some small experiments with blockchain. I also wrote my pre-nuptial agreement on the blockchain. Yeah. Because other people have been writing marriage contracts and marriage certificates on the blockchain. So I, th- I thought, let's do something innovative. And hence, I wrote a prenup on the blockchain. Okay. And Atorus eventually evolved into Endorse. So mm-hmm. what happened is with Atorus, we were doing digital certificates on the blockchain. Uh, so we were working with Neon Polytechnic. Yeah. Uh, we issued some of their diplomas on the blockchain. We did it for a small batch. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they are actually so how did that work? Like if they issue the diplomas on the blockchain, mm-hmm. are they doing that officially right now? Uh, yes. So we did it for one of their batches and it has been taken over by some other company. So what the intention is that for future employers, when they want to look and exactly. trace back their... Exactly. Um, credentials, they would yep. not need to ask for the traditional sort of paper exactly, documentation exactly. and they will be able to authenticate that through, yep. uh, right? Is that how you... Exactly, you that was that? the page for them. So how did that evolve? If it was initially just for the uh, Neon Polytechnic mm-hmm. or were you thinking of um, replicating that across the different institutions? Yeah, we were definitely uh, thinking of replicating it across several institutions. But uh, as you know, in Singapore, it takes a long time because these are government institutions. The sales process is really long. Well, it's already faster than <laughs> a lot of the other countries. Yeah, right? yeah, the regulatory exactly. frame, framework and everything. Exactly. But the thing is, uh, you know, when I was doing this experiment, this pilot with Neon, at that time, one of the KPIs was that students should be able to put their certificates on LinkedIn, right? So earlier when we started, at the click of a button, people could put their certificates on LinkedIn. But one fine day, LinkedIn came and changed their uh, entire UI, entire mechanism of uh, putting certificates. And now uh, students had to take two or three steps. Uh, actually, this set me back in the project by at least uh, 15 to 20 days. Yeah. That got me thinking, why are we giving all our data to these monolithic giants like LinkedIn, Facebook, Google? Why can't we take ownership on the data? And that's where the idea of indoors came about. So I was just uh, discussing with my wife, uh, hey, what can we do about this? And we thought, okay, let's uh, disrupt LinkedIn. 
let's build a LinkedIn on the blockchain. So I just came to the company, came to my uh, colleagues back then, and we thought, okay, let's build this company, let's build this cool product. And you know, it just took off from there. So we went out, we wrote the white paper, we uh, you know raised our first investment, yeah. and then we went on to do the ICO. Which was around nine million. Is uh, yes, we raised nine million last September. It's okay. been almost one year now. Uh, <laughs> how how is the time. excitement of going through an ICO race? Oh, I mean, it that was is crazy, <laughs> man. <laughs> we were sleeping like three or four hours every day. I can't imagine. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, when we slept. <laughs> it's probably harder right now to do that. But back yeah, again to the yeah. underlying technology. I mean, you identified the underlying problem, which is essentially, why should we be giving our data to the big giants, right? Exactly, um, exactly. Can we, and it, I, uh, reading through the endorsed sort of white paper <coughs> and, and through um, the presentations and mm -hmm. the pitch deck, you essentially are saying that, can we give the power back to the people exactly. and let them monetize that? Um, and how, how do you crea create an entire sort of incentivization strategy yep. around this yep. so that all these different stakeholders will be incentivized, is that right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so actually indoors, uh, we stand on three pillars. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first one is about ownership of your data. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, uh, second is about monetization of your data. Yeah. So when you do anything on Facebook, Instagram, or any of these networks, every like, every share you do, you're making a lot of dollars for these networks. But as a user, what do you get out of it? Nada. Yeah. And hence we thought we should actually share the revenues. We should actually give it back to the users as well. And third thing is about validations. Because on LinkedIn, so this idea, the validation idea actually came from Atoros, right? So right now on LinkedIn, I can go and say anything. I can say that I did an MBA from Harvard, although I had done a master's from Singapore Management University. Uh, and you would have to take me at my face value or else you would have to go and call Harvard to ask if Gaurang actually did an MBA from Harvard. And that is why that entire trust factor, right? It's exactly. essentially exactly. Um, all about incentives. And if you yeah. look at how organizations are essentially um, getting, I mean, there are so many cases where people yeah. have gotten like fake um, qualifications yes. and they've hired somebody highly qualified to do that job. Exactly. But then exactly. it turns out that they find out later on that they're, credentials were all like not yeah, real yeah. it was made up exactly did you ever think about like expanding beyond the academic sort of qualifications what about like your sort of resume and like the yeah, yeah, companies yeah. that you worked before uh, that's the, that's the thing right so with, with Atoros uh, we were focusing only on certificates at the time okay so then we thought uh, let's go beyond certificates and let's have your entire resume on the blockchain your entire pro professional portfolio in the, on the blockchain and uh, on the way, uh, there's a great story in our company, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a developer called Arif, Arif Rahman. This guy, he was not a developer earlier. Two years ago, he was not a developer. This dude, he started as a hairdresser. Are you serious? Yes. Actually, wow. he used to work with his mother. Uh, you guys go to NS, right? And uh, they used to do Gota for the NS at the time. Okay. Right? And, uh, but he was passionate about coding. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem was that he didn't have any formal education in computer science, nor did he have any experience with coding. And hence, it was very difficult for him to get a job in as a, as a developer. As a programmer, as a yeah. Developer, yeah. Uh, he came to us, I talked to him, I liked this guy. I actually looked at his code that he had, he had done earlier in his practice sessions. And by looking at the code, I could understand that this guy is really skilled in coding. So just based on his skills, we hired Arif. But if you look at how 
um, the first sort of visionaries of people that got involved with blockchain, they weren't really, I mean, there were a lot of programmers, exactly. but exactly. at the same time, there were a lot of people that were just doing the pure out of passion. Exactly. And they were, if you look at the foundation of how this whole blockchain revolution kind of started, right? I call it revolution, but it's, it's, it's essentially this type of movement, right? Exactly. Is the fact that people were dissatisfied with one way or the other with either politics or you're talking about like the entire sort of economic yep. system. Yeah. And so they, they came together and built this. So it it's not surprising that people from different um, industries are actually looking at mm. using how to build and be part of this entire exactly. ecosystem. Exactly. So that's what we believe, right? Like we believe that skills are important. So your, your education, your certificates are definitely important. But what's more important is the skills you have. The interest as well. Yeah, the, the skills, the passion. And mm. that's why we built indoors to validate your skills. Yeah, We built indoors for people like Arif so that even they don't, even though they don't have an education, if they have the right skills, we can provide them with jobs. We can provide them with multiple opportunities. And we can provide them with a chance to create a, a resume on the blockchain. Good for Arif. <laughs> and it's a, it's a resume that is trustworthy as well because exactly. then everything is stamped and, you, and I mean, uh, the current sort of capabilities is not something that they can taper with, right? It's yep. essentially 100% traceable. Yep. How hard it is to transfer all of those credentials onto the blockchain? Because with every hash that is created, mm -hmm. you essentially need to, I mean, uh, back a couple of years back, it would mm -hmm. take like weeks to literally yep. code the entire <laughs> information, right? It's easy to do transaction um, when you're doing sort of like um, the, the transfers of, of mm -hmm. the tokens. But when you're talking about coding the whole sort of, um, how much detail does it have in terms of your credential to be transferred onto the blockchain? Uh, again, it depends. So in case of the Neon uh, pilot, uh, mm -hmm. we were putting hash of the certificate on the blockchain. So we had a PDF of the certificate. We used to put the hash in the smart contract. So okay. what that proves is that, so next time you go to a, uh, an employer and you change your MBA to maybe a PhD, the hash of the certificate won't match the hash in the blockchain. And awesome. that way you can prove the uh, authenticity of the certificate. Also, you can prove the provenance and the timestamp. So at what point was this issued to this person? So where is, where is the certificate, the PDF version of the certificate sitting? Uh, yeah, so uh, in our case, so actually uh, you, you have different mechanisms. So okay. you could actually store it uh, in the premise of the university. Okay. Or you could even store it on a decentralized uh, mechanism like IPFS or even uh, any other decentralized storage mechanism as well. So the hash is essentially identifying where it's um, this particular certificate is being stored and the person and that the wants the contents of the certificate as well. The content as well. Yep. So you actually call that and put it onto the smart contract? Yes, that's what we do. Okay, awesome. Let's talk a little bit about um, in indoors at mm -hmm. this current mm -hmm. stage. So can we refer back to your um, deck? Um, so you've raised your ICO. Yep. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges right now that you're facing? Ah, some of the biggest challenges. Actually, uh, when we did the ICO, uh, we thought it was really difficult. Okay. Uh, because people think doing an ICO itself is easy, but it's not. Uh, anyway, now it has become really even more difficult to do an ICO. But even beyond the ICO, as a company, uh, one of the challenges uh, I have constantly faced is to explain blockchain to people. Mm -hmm. Because if you are talking to laymen who don't understand technology, 
uh, explaining blockchain becomes a really difficult task and obviously you need everybody to sort of sign up on chain indoors and yeah. and be able to um, provide all of their qualification yes. and their records on top of that so the mass market be able yeah. to understand how indoors works kind of it's kind of important right exactly exactly so you know as a company we have always uh, tried to mask the blockchain piece the complexity of blockchain and make it as easy for the users as possible mm mm-hmm. so uh, our dapp our website if you go uh, it it looks quite similar to any other websites uh, but at the back you have all the blockchain components all the blockchain transactions so we try to make it as easy as possible but still uh, the blockchain transactions that you have to do uh, people still find it a little difficult it's i think it's the the um the whole concept of blockchain is also overshadowed by the tokenization of it yes and so people tend to think of blockchain as opposed to like trading um compared to something that like like indoors yep. which yep. is more on the actual application exactly. of the of the traceability and all of, all of that sort of decentralization yep. Yep. aspect of the technology um but going back to your um raise so you've gone through the hurdle of raising yep. um you raised the 9 million dollar yep. um as you and now the technology how m- how complete is the technology at the moment yeah so uh, i'm proud to say that we are one of the few icos who have launched on the mainnet uh, who are already making revenue yeah and we have more than 30000 users on the platform right now okay could you explain a little bit about how you uh, how the revenue aspect of it works uh yeah so we have a b2c side uh, uh business to customer and b2b side business mm-hmm. to business so uh, our revenue comes mainly from the b2b side so when the ico market was quite in demand 6 uh, months ago uh, we started something like advisor validations mm-hmm. so you know indoors is all about validations and verifications so at that time we were doing uh, validations for the ico advisors and icos were paying us for that uh, that was just uh, uh, you know we we tried to be opportunistic and tap onto the need in the market uh, but our main core focus is the skills validation uh, so in skills validation uh, we have multiple types of validation mechanisms uh, one of them is uh, aip which is anonymous endorsement protocol mm-hmm. uh, this is like a peer reviewed mechanism peer reviewed validations second is we also have artificial intelligence chatbots uh, we have certifications as well and uh, the ultimate vision is to get people to validate the skills and match them with relevant jobs okay So as a company we obviously don't want to be a job listing platform we want to work with other companies that you know do job listing and uh, so you ride on the back of um exactly. jo- sort of exactly. headhunter platforms and yep. all of those kind of s- matching of um jobs yep so we our main core is to validate skills validate uh, people's uh, credentials and certificates and then match them with the jobs okay and um for in terms of your um the aip the anonymous endorsement mm-hmm. protocol is uh, as how much ai is how is that involved with ai could you no so these are uh, two different mechanisms mm-hmm. the first one is aip which is a uh, anonymous endorsement protocol mm-hmm. uh so imagine if you say that you know java yeah. uh, you can code in java yeah. that becomes a claim on endors okay so you come to endors you say i know java Yep. and along with that claim you have to attach a proof element mm-hmm. so you could attach a link to your github repository okay uh, so now this claim will go for endorsements to multiple people on the platform so currently we choose 10 validators on the platform randomly okay. uh, who are already experts in java mm-hmm. and uh, 
these people they will look at your claim they will look at your proof element okay and then they will either validate you or uh, flag your claim okay and once you get a consensus of more than five people who say that yes the you know gustavo knows java in that case only in that case your claim will get validated right so that's one mechanism and the second mechanism is uh, artificial intelligence chatbots uh, we are partnering with a local company called empress.ai mm-hmm. and uh, along with them we are creating these chatbots which ask you basic questions about different kinds of technologies different kinds of uh, scenarios so if you say that you know blockchain this chatbot will start asking you basic questions like uh, what is a blockchain what is mining uh, what is a 51% attack uh, and if you don't know these basic questions you really don't know anything about blockchain right so that's so you validate first your knowledge of um, yes. of blockchain before they they bring it what happens if they don't know much about blockchain would they would the ai be able to support them uh, um, no so right now uh, it's a binary uh, validation mechanism we have either validated or invalidated okay. uh, next we are also working on ways for people to attain those skills so if we find out that you don't know much about blockchain uh, we can help you with some courses or we can recommend some courses recommend some meetups or something okay awesome yeah. um is there a page here that talks about um the b2c platform because that is the part that you are incentivizing yes um the, the the people that want to be uh to to provide their data right yes can you talk a little bit about how that works is that this slide uh that was about the aip in the okay next slide uh go to the top again go back go back okay yep, in this okay so when i talked about the peer review mechanism uh in that case when you create a claim and other people endorse you for that uh in that case for your activity on the platform uh, everyone gets uh, rewarded in the form of ind tokens okay okay uh so as a claimant you get uh, 50 tokens and as a validator you also get some tokens okay and even in case of the artificial intelligence chatbots uh if you if you get validated if you get a expert level in these chatbots uh then you get some tokens as an incentive uh, so what is happening is in this case you are providing your data to the platform uh which later on we will be might be using for advertisements and uh, this revenue that will come from advertisements it's actually given back to the user as an incentive mechanism okay and who determines that in terms of how much uh, would be paid is there a fixed amount or uh, yes so in the white paper we had mentioned that uh, we'll be giving out 50% of the revenue to the users every year uh, right now uh, while we are getting good traction getting more revenue uh, until then we are paying some fixed amount as an incentive we are doing some experiments uh, what's the incentive that works well with the users Okay. So, yeah. And it's obviously this entire technology is open source, right? Yep. Where you yep. all, all the developers that have contributed to building yes. the platform have also been incentivized. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And are the tokens right now um being traded publicly on the exchange? Yep, yep. Okay. How long have they been tra- traded? Uh since the beginning, since last September. Okay. So yeah. those that actually came in um provided the information and started to earn the tokens can convert them into fiat. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay great. Um uh, what are you looking for right now for indoors? Uh yeah, we are looking to scale up the platform. So right now we already have a product uh but we are trying to build a product which is really easy to use by people. So okay. when we came out with the first version of the product, uh it was a bit uh, rudimentary. 
mm-hmm. and a bit complex for people to use so we are trying to make it easy as easy as possible we are trying to streamline the flows and uh, yeah we are looking to scale up outside the crypto community because the crypto community loves endorse we have a good brand name yeah. and now we are looking to scale outside the outside this uh, small world so what would uh, like some of the people that would what type of qualifications would you be looking at uh yeah so currently we are validating skills uh, related to development so we have javascript we have some other devel- uh, programming mm-hmm. languages uh soon we'll be going to uh, accounting and law maybe and we might even go into design or some other skills like that are uh, you hire them on the back of tokens or <laughs> fiat <laughs> no uh, yeah so we try to pay in crypto as much as possible to our developers yeah, yeah. Okay. Um are some of the crypto that you are paying just just a personal sort of uh, mm-hmm. interest are they are, are you releasing them in batches or have they already you are essentially holding on some of the cryptos internally to incentivize those new hired? Mm, no, we pay them uh, normal monthly salaries. <laughs> oh, no more using fiat. Uh yeah, either fiat or crypto, yeah. Okay, interesting. I've also wondered uh, I've always wondered like how, you know, when you start bringing internal staff because obviously mm-hmm. a lot of technology is sort of uh, open source, but then yep. you also have in uh, uh, internal staff, you will want to be able to incentivize them um in in various sort of format. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. does that does that require a whole new sort of education process to help them understand what blockchain is, especially for staff that are not really developers? Yeah, um, it certainly takes some effort. Yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So, um how can we ca- how can somebody um that might be interested to join mm-hmm. indoors reach you? Yeah, definitely. You can go to our website uh, indoors.io i n d o r s e.io or you can get in touch with us at info@indoors.io. Fantastic. And and they actually have written down some of the jo- um job positions that you you were looking to hire for. Yes, we website. have some job posts on indoors as well. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um I've actually personally seen a couple of companies that are trying to sort of monetize this for people that are providing data on mm-hmm. different angles. Yep, yep. And I think what you're doing um with indoors is is a very interesting um field. Um So one last question. Yeah. Where Where do you see um indoors in the next 10 years? <laughs> I see indoors as the platform where people come to get jobs or build their professional profile. Great. Thank you so much Gaurang. It's been a Thank pleasure you, speaking to you. This is Gustavo from the Asia Tech Podcast and very grateful to be speaking to Gaurang Tovekar from yeah. indoors.io. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs>